Hello, welcome to CityWire Funds Fanatic, our new podcast for investors in collective investment funds. With me is Daniel Grote, editor of CityWire Funds Insider website. I'm Gavin Lumsden. I edit the Investment Trust Insider website. And um, we're going to be talking about uh, the dividend cuts, the massive wave of dividend cuts that are hitting uh, investors at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I've just got off from um, editing uh, a piece that Jeremy's written for us um, on, uh, you know, the likely impact on UK equity income funds. You know, there is potentially a huge impact, um, certainly in terms of what the banks have done in cutting dividends and you know, what we've seen today with insurers following suit and you know, having come under similar pressure uh, to, to banks from um, the Prudential Regulation Authority and uh, yeah, a large batch of them cutting their dividends uh, today. Some of them not. Um, Legal and General, the UK's uh, largest uh, insurer, didn't, but it has been uh, left isolated, essentially, by its peers. Is that going to be a problem for Legal and General, do you think? Or are they actually going to come out possibly hailed in a high regard by their investors, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, you know, you can you can look at it in both ways, can't you? I mean, certainly if you're looking at it as an investor, then uh, that's a positive thing. You know, it's a positive thing that um, a company is able to carry on paying its dividends at a time of crisis like what we're experiencing right now. I mean, that's that's kind of the point of dividends, isn't it? I mean, you know, the uh, trouble is that, you know, the regulators having uh, putting pressure on these big financial institutions, uh, it kind of makes sense in one way. But it's in the context of hundreds of other companies also uh, suspending their dividends or cancelling them altogether. Um, it's a huge drop uh, in investment income for uh, investors, but pension funds and all sorts of things. So how do you think investors are feeling about all this? Well, I think it, to a large extent, it will depend on why the companies are cancelling their dividends, um, because, you know, there are a sort of variety of reasons, really. Um, you know, you look at what the banks have done and the banks aren't cancelling their dividends in the same way that they cancelled their dividends uh, in the financial crisis, or rather not They're for the financially same stronger, aren't they, than they were in 2008? Well, exactly. And they've come under pressure, um, you know, from the Bank of England to, to suspend them. Uh, and so I think, you know, where investors can, can see that, you know, this is the, um, the dividends are not coming this year, but it will resume. Um, and there's no reason why it's not going to resume just as strongly um, uh, as it was beforehand, then you know, they, they can kind of look through the um, the difficulty that, that, that we've got at the moment. Um, so you, I, I think you do need to sort of put the dividend cancellations into sort of different categories. Um, so you have the banks and insurers where there's, there's political pressure. Um, uh, and, you know, in some cases where... Yeah, that's, um, that's, 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 I'm, but Dan, I'm just, let's pause on that one because it's just like... You know, with the uh, with the banks, you know, they owe us one. We bailed them out. Uh, taxpayers oh. did, uh, but they didn't bail out Barclays, but uh, they didn't bail out HSBC either. But nevertheless, you know, there is an element of that that sector, you know, owes the public, the, the British tax. Oh yeah, for sure, big big time, uh, because if uh, Lloyd's or uh, Royal Bank of Scotland had actually gone down properly, then um, you know the, the rest of the ba- the banking sector would have gone with them. You know, the, the, the banks are well used. We've been we've seen this increased regulation coming their way for some time. It's the insurers that, that puzzle me, though, uh, because the, they're not uh, they're taking they're under financial pressure uh, from uh, what's happening on the stock market. But uh, I mean, my, my impression is they're not under the same kind of pressure, uh, but there's a kind of moral uh, pressure being exerted now on all companies, it seems to, uh, you know, save their money. Uh, because things could get really bad. And it does make sense, but uh, you just kind of wonder, I wonder where it's all going to end up. Well, yeah, and, and save your money 
where your customers are going to need it you know for, for insurers you know given the kind of claims they're they're likely to face because of all the disruption and and, and you know the, the lockdowns brought and um you know the coma that the the uk economy has been been placed in you know the, you know there's there's some areas in insurers business where claims are going to completely dry up you know it, they're probably not going to have many car insurance claims because there's not many cars on the road um but there are other areas of its business where um you know there is going to be a, a spike in claims um because of what's going on uh and you know the pra and the bank of england wants insurers to have that money um to pay out those claims rather than giving out to their shareholders now yeah i also guess the shareholders are uh, you know the shareholders do see the logic in that this is a suspension or a, an interruption uh, it's not never it doesn't mean yeah. it's, the dividends are going away forever and i guess that's the point i was making where there's the distinction between you know what's happening with the banks and insurers at the moment um which are the bigger you know that of the the massive cuts that have happened across the um in dividends across the uk stock market banks and insurers account for about half of that they you know yeah um, those have been the biggest What's the latest figure beginning of the week last week it was uh, over 15 billion pounds of dividends cuts so yeah far. so the latest i mean it, it's difficult to stay up to date with this uh, the latest um uh, i'd seen was 16.8 billion uh, and that was kind of calculated at the end of Friday, uh, so obviously that won't take into account what's happened today with uh, with the insurers. So that's going to go up. Um, uh, Not so long I mean, ago, there were dividend forecasters uh, saying uh, dividends were going to grow this year in the UK. Um, maybe not quite as much as last year or in recent years, but it was a positive outlook. And they're they're falling like a like a stone, aren't they? Yeah, I mean those. You know, I mean that's one of the things about the severity of. Um, uh, what's happened to uh, you know, global economies and global stock markets is that you know projections that were made a month ago uh, are, are meaningless now. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? Because you know, you compare this to the financial crisis of two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, and dividends were cut. A lot of dividends were cut then, but nothing like the sort of universal uh, uh, sweeping aside of payments that we're seeing at the moment. And that just, as you say, reflects this uh, unbelievable uncertainty. You know, where is business? We're not. They're not businesses aren't doing any business for the foreseeable future so um, yeah and how does this affect you know we write about funds and investment trusts how's, how's it how's it affecting the funds you're you're looking at well i mean in the equity income sector um banks and insurers are uh, they're relied upon by a lot of managers uh, for um you know a hefty chunk of the income that they pay on to their investors um so you know, it's difficult to get a sense from the managers at the moment of exactly how much they're going to have to cut um, the income that they're providing to their uh, to their investors. Because uh, obviously, you know, one of the, the big differences between the open-ended funds that I look at and the closed-ended investment trust that you look at is that, um, you know, funds aren't allowed to hold um, reserves. They can't kind of, you know, um, keep dividends in good years um, back um, so that they can supplement payments in in, in lean years. And, you know, this they've, is they've got to pay out all the dividends they receive, don't they? Yeah, as soon as it comes in, it goes yeah. out, essentially. Um, Which is straightforward, so, but it means that, uh, you know, if income is down, as it's going to be a lot this year, there's, there, there's going to be an immediate impact on the uh, distribution. Well, yeah, and it means you can be the most skillful income fund manager in the world, but given that structure, it's pretty hard to see how you'll be able to raise the dividend that you'll be paying to your investors from yeah. your fund 
Uh, Open-ended funds are, are, are coy generally, aren't they, about the, the, the dividends they pay. Obviously, they tell investors what they're paying. But uh, we, we've talked about in the past, haven't we, that, that you know, with investment trusts, you know, you, you, they, they put out proper results, uh, detailed results at half year and full years, annual reports, that sort of thing. And you can see what the dividends they are announcing this year are, how they compare with the previous year and previous years. You don't get any of that uh, sort of disclosure. Very I mean, I'd say, you know, coy is the euphemism. It's an absolute nightmare <laughs> trying to find out, um, you know, what the dividend history of funds is. Um, you know, uh, I mean, the contrast between funds and investment trusts is, is really marked in, in you know, in, in that sense where, you know, you have the dividend heroes that are, you know, the multi-decade kind of track records of growing income is, um, is celebrated and, um, you know, widely publicised. Uh, with funds, it's, I mean, it's really hard to find out what they paid out the last year, let alone the last sort of 50 years or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, and that's been, you know, that's, that's one of the challenges in, in, in kind of um, writing about this uh, space is that, you know, even um, in the equity income kind of sector, funds are, the literature they produce is it, all focused on total return. It's really hard to find, uh, you know, a fun fact sheet that details, well, this is how much, um, you know, this is how much the capital grew and this is how much income was paid out last year. It's almost always in a total return um, kind of form of, of presentation. But yeah, I guess a lot of, uh, I mean, total return is a bit, is, is annoying if that's all they ever give you. But on the other hand, there are going to be a lot of investors in these funds, uh, they're growth investors, they're reinvesting the income uh, back into their, into the fund, aren't they? So, um, but I take your point, you know, for, for people who are actually taking the income, uh, it's really tough. Uh, which are the most affected uh, funds? Which, which are the funds looking most exposed, uh, in your view? Well, um, I mean, Schroeder Income and Schroeder Income Maximizer um, are probably, in terms of sort of big equity income funds, they're the ones that have the most uh, exposure to banks. Um, I mean, the exposure across both of those funds uh, was about 16% um, at the end of February according to Morningstar, uh, and they've got about 4% uh, in insurers. Um, and you, there are, you know, roughly around 10 or so uh, equity income funds that have got more than 10% of their portfolio uh, in banks. Um, you know, and that, that, that reflects the fact that uh, banks, uh, you know, unlike in the sort of early years after the financial crisis, they had, um, you know, been rehabilitated really as, uh, as income investments. And, um, you know, last year they accounted for about 17% of the FTSE 100's um, dividend income. So, you know, it's no surprise really that, that banks, you know, they, they, they take up a place in the portfolios of, of most equity income funds. And, is it, you know, is it for bank some, exposure? Uh, um, you did a story, or we had a story on uh, J.O. Uh, Hambro, uh, uh, equity, UK equity income. Um, they were yeah, I mean, there's is, you know, there's is, they were actually putting a number on the kind of uh, dividend cuts in their in, from their fund up to around yeah, 40%. you know, they've they've kind of stuck their head above, above the parapet, really, in that you know they, you know, they said towards the end of last month that they were you know looking at a twenty to forty percent cut in the uh, the dividend that they're providing to their investors, um, you know, as as a result of the dividend cuts in the stock market kind of feeding through to to, to their fund. Um, and they had a, you know, they had a good income track record. They built, um, they built their dividend. Um, the dividend had sort of been increasing steadily over, you know, the previous 
decade after falling pretty markedly in the financial crisis. But, you know, it goes back to the point we were talking about at the beginning that an open-ended fund, um, you know, is, is left with no option. Um, you know, if the dividends try up from its portfolio, that just feeds through to the dividend that the managers are providing for their investors drying up as well. Um, I mean, Club Eagles and, and, and James Lowen, um, they've got just under about 8% of their fund uh, in banks. Um, they've got quite a high weighting to insurers, um, although you know, but a, a fairly significant chunk of that is legal in general, and LNG have said that they will be paying their dividend. Um, so the, the cuts amongst banks and insurers, um, you know, that they are, they're a big factor behind the, you know, the cut that they're going to have to be delivering to their investors. But in terms of the impact on their fund, and, you know, you look at the wider stock market, it, you know, it's, it's not just a, a financials thing. It's not just a banks and insurers thing. Um, it's pretty hard to look at any sector uh, in, on, on the London stock market that where companies aren't cutting dividends because of, which is because of how widespread um, the, the economic impact of, co- of the coronavirus has been. Yeah, except there might be, I'm gonna, this, is a, this is a desperate way or crude way of uh, going on to my, my patch here, but uh, there yeah. might be one sector, <laughs> one sector, yeah. uh, <laughs> cuts will be quite so um, uh, prevalent, and that might yeah, be cause... investment trust. Yeah, what well, I mean, um, trust, which actually flagged up, you know, a lot of the older ones, uh, the, a lot of the UK equity income ones, which is kind of what we're focusing on at the moment, you know, built up these reserves, these what we call revenue reserves. As you said, they don't have to pay out um, all their uh, investment income every year. They can hold back up to 15%. And they've done that and they've built up these, these pots of money and they can smooth out their dividends. So, but even they are under a lot of pressure. So, now, well, I guess it, it London, which is the one with the the, the, the longest uh, dividend track record, it's grown its dividend for fifty three years uh, consecutively, and uh, there are other so called dividend heroes with uh, records that are not quite that long, but not far off. Anyway, they determined to pay their fifty uh, fourth this year, and have said they'll um, they'll dip into the revenue reserves to achieve that. But, well, I mean, I guess, and, and I'm, I'm nicking, I'm nicking sort of a comment that, that, that you've made, uh, but that, I mean, that really would be significant, wouldn't it? If, if City of London had to cut its dividend, or even if it, you know, couldn't, couldn't raise it, it's the equivalent of Shell not paying. Shell of the investment uh, yeah. trust <laughs> I mean, I think Shell's paid its dividend, growing dividend for, for even longer, a bit longer, unbroken since the Second World War, is what everyone ever says. But um so, and, and would yeah, I be right that London, uh, run by Joe Curtis at uh, Yanis Henderson, had to cut the dividend? Yeah, it'd be huge because we're a long way from that. Because what analysts analysts have been busy kind of uh, assessing um, what level of cuts uh, investment trusts could stand before, uh, well, not only before they would dip into these reserves, before these reserves, you know, would they get wiped out? And there was some yeah. uh, actually was interesting research from uh, J.P. Morgan Casanova, and they were looking at uh, FTSE futures which are apparently forecasting uh, 59% or 60% cut, total cuts in dividends from the end of February the, over the next two years. So, you know, that's, that's, un, that's unprecedented, mm. that word that gets used so often, but 60% dividend cuts. And so, but the good news was their conclusion was that while uh, there would be trusts like Troy Income that would, if that happened, would actually probably use up all their revenue reserves. The good news was they could actually continue paying dividends. So, you know, 
if they're right, you know, and we don't know how long this crisis is going to go on for, how long this dividend drought is going to persist, but um, those revenue, they're going to be leaning on those revenue reserves big time uh, if it is prolonged, but it could be that they get through it and maintain their record. So if, if the likes of City of London get through this and they've maintained their dividends, then they really are going to be heroes. But, they're really, yeah, they're really. but, but, you know, because you're, as you say, your open-ended funds are going to be slashing them right, left and centre yeah. because they've got no other choice. Well, and I guess with, with, with investment trust, presumably, uh, you know, when you're looking at... Um, you know the dividend heroes and uh, and the kind of the the equity income sector and, and assessing um, how likely they are going to be to, you know, to to be able to ride through this. Um, presumably, it's just it's all about reserves. It, it's not like you're making any distinction between what portfolio they're running and whether that's been more subjected to cuts or not. Presumably, you know, <laughs> dividends have been cut everywhere, so it just it's just how much do they have in terms of reserves. It, it, it looks like it's going to be that, uh, that, that kind of that simple. Usually you, you, you'd look at the, you know, the portfolio, what, you know, the kind of diversification they've got, and their, you know, their earnings per share and, you know, uh, is it covering the dividends they're paying out? And, you know, investors, like, as you know, like to see a covered dividend, but it's great to have the reserves there in the background. But, um, you know, even, equity, even the likes of City of London and some of the other uh, trusts with long track records of growing dividends, J.P. Morgan, Claver House, I think isn't far behind. Dunedin and income growth, trusts like that, even they, they are going to come under uh, some pressure. So the question is, you know, if it really is a bad, long-standing uh, uh, drought, you know, how far would the boards of these trusts be prepared to go to maintain these, uh, you know, shell-like uh, track records? Um, and the, I'm, 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 that these trusts, not only do they have, we're getting into the kind of accountancy uh, arcanery here, but uh, not only do they have revenue reserves, but they also have what are called capital reserves. And uh, oh, six or seven years ago, uh, the, the, the law was changed and they can actually, if they get shareholders permission, they can actually uh, take money out of the capital reserves. And that's effectively the gains they've made on, on, on investments. Right. So, and all of them have got big capital reserves. So if they came, came down to it, if they wanted to use, dip into those capital reserves after depleting all the revenue reserves, then you know they could carry on paying dividends for ages, but that would be very that would be quite controversial with uh, some. Uh, that'd be very controversial with some shareholders, and and, and uh, it would, would would then you know would cause a lot of debate uh, in the sector because I think uh, investors. I don't know, we, uh, I think it's the same whether we're investing in funds or in trusts. Like to see uh, organic. Uh, income don't they they like to see you know if you're investing in a company and it pays you a dividend then you pass it and you're a trust or a fund you pass it on to your investors that's great well it, if you start yeah. people, you know, i mean it's not really a dividend that's, then, what, that's what investors do you see that's what you do with your own portfolio you can yeah. invest in the likes of scottish mortgage for example and uh, it doesn't pay much of it does pay a dividend but it's not a big yielder it's an out and out growth fund you know if you you could you could take an income from that by just selling some shares but well, exactly. Is that for you? I don't know. Yeah, I, well, it gets to the point. If 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 the fund or, or the trust is doing that, you think, well, what's the point in, you know, why am I buying an income fund? You know, when when I could just, if if that's all they're doing, I can do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, analysts do point out that the the, the dividing line between uh, sort of capital income, you know, it, it has got very blurred. For example, you know, lots of, I mean, funds have done this as well as trusts, but those with an income, you know. Uh, target uh, or increasingly take more of their charges and expenses um, out of revenue 
oh, sorry, out, out of capital. Uh, so in other words, it flatters the, uh, it leaves as much income as possible to be paid out uh, in dividends.